Hey, and welcome to the Aloha Church Podcast. We believe that full life is found in Jesus. And after this message, if you have any questions, please engage with us over social media or connect with us on a Sunday morning. Good morning. Good morning, Aloha. Boy, the Holy Spirit is just running rampant in this place. And we want to see his glory. This morning at prayer time, it was so powerful. Wish all of you could have been there. Well, anyway, I didn't, didn't mean to say all that. Anyway, <laughs> I was just going to read the scripture. The word of God is so powerful. The scripture this morning is from Matthew 16, starting with verse 5. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It's because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000? And how many baskets full you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000? And how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand? I was not talking to you about bread. Love you. This is my grandma, Grandy. As we remember today, what we're talking about, uh, my grandma's had decades, many decades with the Lord. Um, and as I think about my life, my life's been greatly impacted by her faith in Jesus. And so she's got a million testimonies and maybe as much tears as me. So talk to her um, and she'll tell you one or many. All right. Thank you, Gandy. Wow. The Lord is moving. Oh, my goodness. Prayer house yesterday, if you were here, raise your hand. Prayer house, oh my gosh. Prayer house went off. Holy smokes. My life was so impacted yesterday. Many of our lives were. Um, The Lord is alive. He's active. He's here today. A word that I feel like I was given even just this year, 2024, is radical surrender. And I do not want to live halfway. I don't want to be halfway in for Jesus. I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to just do the stuff. I don't want to be a good person. I want to give everything to King Jesus. All of it. All of my time, all my tithe, all my resources, uh, my ambitions, my desires, all of it. And so let's just even begin with prayer. Um, Lord, we want to radically surrender to you. We know that you're worth surrendering to. We know that you're worth following. We take up our cross daily and follow you, knowing that when we lose our life, when we expend ourselves for you, when we give it all away, you change us. You change everything. You transform us. And so, Lord, help us today. Help us run with endurance the race marked out for us. And we know we do that by fixing our eyes on you. And so this morning, and this morning we fix our eyes on you. We look to you, the author and perfecter of our of our faith. We need you. We're nothing without you. This is 
just another day without you. But Lord, I'm praying that this isn't just another day. We want to encounter the living and active God of the universe. James 4.8 says, when we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. So today, Lord, as we worship, as we pray together, as we take communion, Lord, this is us drawing near to you, and Lord, we know that you're going to come. You're going to show up. You're going to touch us. You're going to draw us towards you. You're going to transform us. All right. Amen. Fired up. Fired up. Let me just start with some water. I'm dry. Classic. All right, what's this? Object lesson, what's this? Yell it out. Somebody clearly? Specifically a tote bag. Today, I want to propose that tote bags are for people with no responsibilities in life. Look at this little tote bag. Can't fit anything in here. Are you kidding me? Look at this entry point. It's like a water bottle, a granola bar, and a phone, max. No responsibilities. Today I want to show you, and if you feel like maybe, I don't know, life hasn't panned out the way you thought it would, you're carrying around a tote bag, I want to introduce you to one of the greatest inventions of the postmodern world. That crap out of here. the Ikea bag. Wow, thank you God for Ikea bags. Whenever my wife and I, Darsha, when we leave the house, being adults that we are, we leave prepared. You kidding me? We can't have a tote bag. Let me read this list. Three water bottles. We always leave the house with three water bottles, one for each of us. Snacks, jackets, purses, a laptop, Kindles, keys, diapers, wipes, Baby toys, baby snacks, extra clothes for Barbie, film camera, fanny packs, gym clothes, phones, reusable coffee cups, sustainable, millennial, a jug of Trader Joe's cold brew, and sometimes even a set of cats. We leave prepared. Adults, adults use Ikea bags. Small children with no responsibilities use tote bags. Why am I so passionate about this? Because I really do, I, I told you guys last week, I don't have the best memory. But the inverse of that is I really hate forgetting things. Driving away from my house and realizing, oh, shoot, I left my phone. Are you kidding me? That's like the worst. Show up traveling somewhere, you've got a toothbrush at home. Oh, my gosh, you don't have money laying around for extra toothbrushes. I do not want to forget stuff. Right now, in my car, I've got a hatchet. I've got a hatchet, a lighter, two cans of soup, lentil soup. I could ration those two cans of soup for like two weeks. I'm prepped. I do, I, I'm telling you, I do not like forgetting things. I do not like it. I'm passionate about the subject. Remembrance. Kind of cheesy transition, I know, but hopefully we got some laughs. Today we're talking about remembrance. We're talking about remembrance. It's so vital that you and I, we remember what the Lord's done. We can't forget stuff. We can't forget God's goodness, His holiness, His beauty, what He's done in our lives personally. And so today, um, somewhat ironically, we're going to begin by reviewing last week. I propose that probably 95% of you 
forgot 95% of what I said last week. Just humanity right there. But let's, let's review last week. You ready? Um, actually, so we're going to review last week, and then we're going to zoom. So we're going to review last week, then we're going to zoom out, way out, and we're going to review the entire Old Testament. What is the central theme? What's the main idea in the Old Testament? So zoomed way out. And then we're going to hone it in and look at the review, or I'm sorry, we're going to look and we're going to trace the theme of remembrance through the New Testament. Last week we traced the dual theme of remembrance slash forgetfulness in the Old Testament, and today is the New Testament. And then we'll zoom in even further and we'll look at kind of four main takeaways. How can we remember um, more intentionally? Sound good? So uh, just to go through these points quickly from last week, God shows us in, Gen- in Genesis that he's the ultimate example of remembrance. Point one from last week. Two, remembering what he's done breeds contentment. Anybody struggle with contentment a little bit? Grass is greener mentality. When you remember God's goodness, it helps us live with contentment. Three, we must remember where we came from. The Israelites were once slaves in Egypt. You and I, let me read the verse. I think I have it here. Ephesians 2.6, he brought us from death to life. We were dead. He raised us from life. He brought you and I from death to life. I shared a little bit of my testimony last week, but I struggled with depression for a couple years. I once was joyless, but now I am joyful. Thank you, Jesus. We have to remember where we came from, what he's done in our life. And then apathy. Apathy is sometimes more tragic than disobedience. When we forget what he's done, it makes us apathetic towards him. I could, like, sure, I can maybe go to church. I can maybe go to Bible study. I, I, I kind of could take him or leave him. But when we realize we worship, we're worshiping the creator of the universe, when we remember what he's done, how much he cares for us, it's, we can't help but be passionate. When we spend time with Jesus, we become like him. We want to spend more time with him. It makes us passionate, joyful, connected, intimate. Remembrance, number five, is an act of worship. When we share testimonies of what God has done, it worships Him. And so that's the review from last week. Good? Before we get into the New Testament, like I said, we're going to do the big picture of the Old Testament. And this is in your notes. You guys got notes? Pins? Alex, hopefully pass you out a pin. Thanks, Alex. Hopefully, and if not, be grumpy at Alex. Let's stay a while. Um, today, I propose that the message of the Old Testament is twofold. Number one, humanity needs a Messiah. And number two, a Messiah is coming. And so in the Bible, right off the bat, we see that humanity has this terrible problem, which is, anybody? Three-letter word? Sin. Humanity has this terrible problem of sin. And the Israelites are given a garden, they're given the law, a land, judges, a monarchy, and even prophets, and none of those things were a solution to the problem of sin. As we see, as we talked about some of this last week, we ruin the garden. The Israelites, they neglect the law, they rebel against Moses, their leader. They want to go back to Israel, I'm sorry, they want to go back to Egypt. They rebel again against the judges, and we get to the monarchy area, and, the, and we see the kings. They're even worse um, than the judges. 
So much brokenness in the monarchy era. And then the Israelites, they even killed the prophets. Nothing worked. Nothing, the whole Old Testament is showing that we need a Messiah. These external things, they're not a solution. We need Jesus. It's all pointing towards him. All of it. But then it's also twofold, like I said. A Messiah is coming. Not just that we have this problem and that we're broken, but Jesus is the answer. He is the solution. And so throughout all of Scripture, there are prophecies foretelling that an unnamed Savior is someday coming. He's going to show up someday. Genesis 3.15. At the very beginning, in the garden. We're going to read this together. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. This is God talking to the devil, the snake, personified as a snake. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Genesis 3.15. Question. What? I'm sorry. Question. Who of the woman's offspring crushed the devil's head? You can be less timid than that. It's all right. Who crushed the devil's head? Right? Like, who else makes sense there? Anyone? Like, it wasn't the kings. It wasn't the monarchy. It wasn't the judges. Who crushed the devil's head? Still so timid. Jesus. Jesus. Thank you, Allie. Good, confident yell. Jesus. He crushed the devil's head. In Genesis, in the very beginning, God's got a plan. A Messiah is coming. In the very beginning, I'm sending my son. I'm sending myself in the flesh. I've got a plan for humanity's brokenness. We get to Abraham. I will make you very fruitful. This is God talking to Abraham. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. Jumping ahead to Genesis 22. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. What Israelite king blessed every nation? Good job. Good job. What Israelite king blessed every nation? Jesus. We definitely can see from the monarchy period it wasn't Saul, it wasn't David, it wasn't Solomon. If anything, there's a lot of genocide in the Bible. There's a lot of war and violence. Those kings, like, they fought for Israel, but they didn't bless every nation on the planet. That, the only person this prophecy could be about is who? This is all the way back in Genesis, 2,000 years before Jesus. A Messiah is coming. He's coming. Hold on. We get to David, 1,000 years after Abraham. I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. This is God talking to who? David. He's the one that who, he is the one who will build a house for my name, the church. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be his father, and he will be my son. 1,000 years before Jesus. Who, <laughs> it's pretty clear. It's not even like a slant rhyme. It's just, he's coming. I will be his father, and he will be my son. The whole Bible, a Messiah is, a Messiah is coming. Humanity needs a Savior. Messiah means Savior. Humanity needs a Savior, and a Savior is coming. He's on the way. The story of Jesus, this little quote, the story of Jesus saturates the meta narrative of the Bible. 
and prophecies of his first coming are found throughout the Old Testament. Allusions to him also come up in microwaves, not microwaves, microwaves. I practice saying that. As many people and events hint at the work he would accomplish. Conservatively speaking, Jesus fulfilled 300 prophecies in his earthly ministry. Some theologians say 600, but they're like, is that about Jesus or is that just coincidence? And you're like, ah, I don't know. 300 conservatively. That's a lot of prophecies. Think about a 300 bullet point list. You can literally look that up online. 300 times the Bible is saying, hey, Jesus is coming. I've got a plan. A Messiah is coming. Humanity needs a Messiah, and a Messiah is someday coming. And so, and so is the greatest act of remembrance ever recorded in the history of the world. Jesus shows up. We get to the Gospels. He arrives on the scene. Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. He now has a name. Emmanuel. Jesus. God with us. He shows up. Like, think of, just like, imagine being an ancient Israelite. And you've known for thousands of gener- or, I'm sorry, thousands of years, multiple, many, millennium, that someday a Messiah is coming. And then he actually arrives. Jesus showed up in the Gospels. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that God is the ultimate example of remembrance. He fulfilled his promises. He did not forget us. He did not forget humanity. He showed up. Luke 1. Praise be to the Lord, because he, who is Jesus, has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham two thousand years earlier. God displays in the gospel that he is the ultimate example of remembrance. So point one in your notes, write it in if Alex gave you a pen. Point one, God didn't forget the world. He didn't forget the world. In the Gospels, God delivers on his ancient promises. But that's very corporately speaking. It's for everybody. But in the Gospels, God shows us that he's very individual. He's very unique. It's not just for a stamp on humanity, got it covered. No, no, no. In the Gospels, he shows us that he's a relational being. He's a relational God. He's an individual I don't know where I was going with that. He's individual liking. I don't know. All right, Luke 12. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, and not one of them is forgotten before God? Indeed, this is so beautiful. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. He knows you so intimately, He knows your dreams, He knows your name. He knows your ambitions, your desires, your greatest fears, the things you're excited about, things you're stressed about, the job you hope to get someday, the nightmare you had last week. He, he, he's with you. He knows you individually, uniquely. God came to earth 
not just to save us, not just to allow us to go to heaven someday, but so that we might have closeness with him. He loves us and knows us individually. So point two in your notes, God hasn't forgotten you. He remembered the world corporately by sending Jesus, but he's so personal to remember each of his kids uniquely. Amen? Let's clap for that. That's a big deal. God remembers in the Gospels, but what? We forget. We blow it. We learned about this last week with the cycle of remembrance in the Old Testament. God does a miracle. He does something supernatural. He gives a decree. And then humanity, and then the Israelites, they forget. And then God calls us to remember. We repent. We come back to God. And then we forget again. And the cycle, that devastating cycle is on repeat through the whole Bible. And so in Matthew 14, Jesus feeds the 5,000. Just a couple loaves of fish. We're familiar with this. But then in, so that was Matthew 14. In Matthew 15, we might not know this, Jesus does the same miracle again, this time feeding 4,000. Back to back. Chapter 14, chapter 15. You guys connecting those dots? 14, 15? We get to 16. This is what Grandy, my grandma, read. We get to chapter 16, and this is absurd. Matthew 16. This is what, I'm sorry, Matthew 16, when they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. (laughs) Aware of the discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember? Did you already forget the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? To paraphrase, how did you already forget? What are you thinking? Four, chapter 14, chapter 15, it's, it's weird, like barely any time has gone by. You're already stressing about bread. Don't you remember the miracles I just did? Don't, even more importantly, don't you remember who I am? And this verse, unfortunately, it's consistent with the overall tone in the Gospels. For example, Jesus does the miraculous and the disciples, they still live in fear when the storm comes. Jesus predicts his death and Judas and the Pharisees that come for him in the garden, and the disciples are like freaking out, like fighting people with swords, chopping off ears. They still panicked. It's like Jesus has been saying that all along, they're coming for me. Just so you know, I'm going to die and then raise again in three days. It's going to be awesome. Like, and the disciples are like, what? I don't, I don't understand. Drew says, dummies. Disciples are dummies. <laughs> Jesus predicts his resurrection, and Thomas still doubts. I need to see the scars. Peter promises. He promises to never deny Jesus. And then he denies him three times. And then the rooster crows. And what's what's the Bible say? And Peter remembered. Luke 22, 61. And Peter remembered. He said, oh yeah. He didn't deny Jesus out of disobedience. He He denied him out of forgetfulness. 
We have to remember. So story time. Um, I was homeschooled. What up? And I graduated high school early. I'm a freaking genius. Just kidding. I took the GED. Barely passed the GED. And after barely passing the GED, I felt the Lord said, go to Bible college. And I was immensely stressed about how to pay for it. Um, but I trusted the Lord and said, all right, I'll go to Bible college. I'll, I'll, let's do this. But I had no idea how I'd pay. And a couple weeks after enrolling, I get this email from my financial department at my school. And they say, hey, someone's anonymously paid for your first semester of Bible college. It's like crazy. Claps. And then for six years later, it took me six years to get through college, barely passing the GED, remember? <laughs> six years later, that same person, I think, anonymously paid for each semester. I got a free ride to Bible college. Crazy. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Thank you, Jesus. My dad's clapping extra. He's like, oh, praise God. <laughs> Throughout my whole childhood, um, I could describe my childhood in a lot of ways. So beautiful, like the most incredible family, most incredible parents. We'll suck up right now. Um, I, like, I literally had the best childhood. Financially stable is not how I describe it. I'm sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> we had some ups and downs, ups and downs. We were homeless for a little bit. We lived literally with the Tevises when I was 13 for like two weeks on their living room. We had some ups and downs. The entire, my entire childhood, the, every single time, the Lord showed up. My parents were so faithful to say, this is from Jesus. God provided for us. I had a, my, whatever, 15 years of my parents reminding me, the Lord is our provider. The Lord is our provider. The Lord did this. He showed up when we needed him the most. And then I get to college and that whole miracle, the Lord's faithful through college. And then I get married to Darsha, at 21 years old, little babies, madly in love. What's up, babe? What's up, girl? And I slip into this multi-year season of really heavy anxiety over finances, just stressing every single day. How am I going to provide? How are we going to make it? How are we going to get through? We were in a, like a ministry school at the time after college. How are we going to make it? How are we going to pay for our really cheap rent? We were in Reading. It's like 400 bucks a month. How are we going to pay for this really cheap rent? How are we going to pay our bills? How are we going to pay our phone, our insurance, all these things. And I'm stressing. I go to bed every night stressed, anxious. Wake up in the morning stressed, anxious. Why? Because I forgot. I literally forgot what God had done. 20 years of faithfulness. And then I'm a dummy, stressing, thinking that I am in charge, that I am my own provider. So yeah, we co-labor with God. There's all these things we can do. Probably good to have a job in X, Y, and Z, but God is our provider. And he showed me that my whole life, and then I still forgot. Remembrance takes intentionality. It takes connection with, with Jesus, time with him. All right, let me scoot my notes along here. And so this illustrates how easily we forget. It's so easy to trust ourselves over God to misremember, to want to go back to Egypt as the Israelites did. 
We have to remember the forgetfulness cycle. God does a miracle, gives a command. We forget. God reminds us. He calls us to repentance. We come back to him, and we have to break the cycle. You and I, we have to break that cycle in our lives. How do we consistently, intentionally remember? A little movement there, Dean. I like it, bro. Nice ringtone. <laughs> Ringtones ain't dead. Remembrance in the early church. This is Acts through Jude in the early church era. And so Jesus, in the Gospels, he dies, resurrects, ascends. What's the next most significant event? Someone shout it out. Anybody? Allie? Pentecost. Let's all say that. Pentecost. Pentecost is Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit descends. The Holy Spirit comes down in an upper room in a church. The Holy Spirit fills the people of God. Drew's been talking about this. Pentecost is important. Christ didn't just die to save us and get us to go to heaven. That is the gospel. That's uh, like a really big part of the gospel. But Christ died to purify us, to cleanse us, so that he might fill us. Fill us with who? Himself, who is the Holy Spirit. Triune God, Jesus, God is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit fills you, what happens? You're given power. The Holy Spirit is power. It's God's power within you. If you're a believer here today and you've accepted Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. Oh my gosh, we have God within us. It's not like, it, I often get bummed. I'm like, oh, I wish Jesus was here today. I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, he kind of is. We have Jesus with us. We worship and alive and active God today, not just in biblical times. But if you're at prayer house yesterday, you're like, oh yeah, he's definitely alive and active. No doubt about it. Maybe even in this room right now, you're feeling like this overwhelming sense of joy or this overwhelming sense of peace or this overwhelming sense of um, I don't know, just excitement about life or maybe love for your neighbor. You just want to give someone a hug that maybe you're like, normally think is stinky, but you're like, no, this person needs a hug. If, you, if you're feeling just hopeful, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, that is Jesus, the fruits of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22. When Jesus fills us, it changes us. And what's it give us? First and foremost, power. The Holy Spirit gives us power. And when the Holy Spirit comes, let me read this. This is John 14. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and this is big, and bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us remember our Father, to help us remember that he is indeed worth following. He is indeed worth sacrificing everything for, expending ourselves for, radically surrendering to. He's worth it. The Holy Spirit reminds us God is worth it. When we lose our life for him, we gain life. The Bible is so clear about that. And the world shows us that even clearer. Look, like, yeah, we talked about even um, Biggie. More money, more problems. Like the, like we when we pursue the things of this world, the flesh, money, power, power fame, following, houses, 
jet skis. When we pursue the things of this world, jet skis, anybody? A little reference for my fam. When we pursue the things of this world, what happens? It doesn't pan out. Like over and over again, we're li- just look at depression statistics, suicide statistics, global hunger. All, like the world is like a mess without Jesus. War, violence, chaos, turmoil. We need a Messiah. The whole Bible is saying we need Jesus. We need him. Anybody? We need him. And so the Holy Spirit comes and he helps us remember that Christ is indeed worth following. He gives us power. And so in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost comes, and in contrast to Old Testament Israel, the New Testament, the New Testament church is now no longer marked by forgetfulness, but by remembrance. And so we see the theme of forgetfulness actually diminish drastically. Like forget, forget not, do not forget. Those phrases aren't even really in Acts through Jude. Ezekiel eleven nineteen reminds us that the law is now written on our hearts. The Holy Spirit changed everything. Amen? The Holy Spirit changed everything. And there's so, so much of what I'm saying today can sound so cliche or just like another message, another day. I'm sure that like a good chunk of y'all are kind of zoning out. <laughs> nice. Um, <laughs> that made me laugh. Very good. Um, but this is big. This is it. This is the gospel, as Drew's been saying. We need Jesus. We need a Messiah. The Messiah came, purified us, and now we get to dwell with him. He dwells within us. He condescended from heaven to come and live within us. All right. Point three. The Holy Spirit empowers us to remember. Write that down if you can in your notes. The Holy Spirit empowers us to remember. And then we get to Revelation. Final book in the Bible. And the Bible very intentionally ends with this final reminder, this final declaration of a new heaven, a new earth, and that Jesus is coming back. He's coming. God is soon going to restore, actually, the Garden of Eden. He's going to bring wholeness to the brokenness that is humanity. And so the first three chapters of the Bible, and the la- so the first three chapters, Genesis 1 through 3, and the last three chapters, or really two chapters of the Bible, they mirror each other. Look at this. I think we got this chart up here. God will someday restore the Garden of Eden. That's this chart. Genesis 1 through 3, the beginning. Revelation, the end. The earth created, Genesis. The earth passes away. New heaven and a new earth. Genesis. Let me, let me center it here. Human dominion over creation in Genesis. And then we see that broken with sin. And then Revelation Human dominion restored. A river flowing from Eden to water in the garden. A river river flowing from the throne through the city. Gold and precious stones in the garden. In Eden. And then again in the future. The future garden that will be restored. The city is made of gold and precious stones. Heaven's going to be beautiful. Eden's going to be beautiful. Next one. Is this? Yeah, this is the next one. That was a... Like a magic trick. I didn't even realize. Um, Interest of sin. Genesis. Final judgment of sin and return to purity. Uh, Revelation. Voice of God results in hiding from God's presence. 
Revelation, a loud voice from the throne proclaims that God will dwell with his people. Curse pronounced, no more curse. Sorrow and suffering enter, no more sorrow. Death entered in Genesis. Revelation says there will be no more death. Man driven out from Eden, God's presence. And Revelation 22.4, they will see his face. Amen? This is big. Why is this big? Because it gives us hope. Right now we live in an already not tension. Jesus came and died and he did everything so that we might experience abundant, full John 10, 10 life. But the world's still broken. We're still plagued by sin and sickness, violence, mental illness, difficulty, war. The world's still broken. Jesus paid everything on the cross but his final plan, his final plan for redemption is wholeness. Full home. This chart is wholeness to me. This chart brings me hope. I'm like, oh yeah, God's got it. He's got a plan. My life, there's so many ups and downs and difficult days and just chaos. But God's got a plan. He has me in his hands. Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. I'm trusting you, Jesus, but it's really hard sometimes. Right? Is it easy for you guys? I'm trust. thank you. I'm, 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 I'm trusting you, Jesus, but it's hard. But when we look to Revelation, we look to the bookends of the Bible, Genesis and Revelation, we see that God's got a plan. So point four remembrance fills us with hope. When I remember, it fills me with hope. Oh yeah, God's got us. A new, even better Garden of Eden. We will once again dwell in purity and unity with Jesus. We will get to walk in the cool of the day with God just as Adam once did in Genesis. This time, without fear or shame, and once again able to see His face. (laughs) From the back claps. Once again able to see His face. Holy Spirit, fall down right now. We want to see your face. We want to see you. We want to know you intimately, Jesus. Please, Lord. The final two chapters of the Bible, I think, are God saying, and this is paraphrasing, don't forget, my child, do not forget. Do not lose sight. Keep at the forefront of your mind that I am indeed coming back, and I will remember my ancient promises to restore all things. All right. So if you were here last week, and then now this week, between these two sermons, that's the theme of remembrance slash forgetfulness in the Bible. Good? So, prayer and worship team, you guys can come up. We're kind of wrapping up here. Let me zoom my notes out. Remembrance. Here are four ways we can practice remembrance. We went through these last week. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them. Four ways we can practice remembrance. Number one, remembrance looks like reading Scripture. When we read what God's done, it, it reminds us of what He's done. When we read the Word, we have to spend time engaging in the Word of God. Prioritize it. It's worth prioritizing Without spiritual disciplines, without connection, spending time with Jesus, we're in a religion. Spiritual, spiritual disciplines bridge the gap from religion to relationship, to connection and intimacy with the Father. 
Remembrance looks like journaling. We talked about that last week a good amount. Remembering looks like sharing testimonies. Another invite to come to prayer circle. 915, we'll share testimonies every week. Remembrance looks like taking communion. Luke 22, do this in remembrance of me. Today we're going to take communion. I invite you to come down. When we take communion, we're, remember, we re, we're reminded of God's sacrifice. He paid it all on the cross for you and I. And so these four practices lead us to a final little bonus point. Be stoked. Remembrance takes intentionality. It takes intentionality. My story is evidence of that with money and anxiety. Remembrance takes intentionality. The story of the Old Testament very clearly shows us that if we're not intentional, we will forget. The Holy Spirit empowers believers to remember, but we co-labor with Christ in that. Like many things in life, we partner with God. That's the, whole, that's the beginning and the end. We partner with God. God chooses humanity. He could have made humanity perfectly, but he chooses humanity. He chooses us. He says, let's do this together. Let's, me and Adam, as Drew talked about, let's name the animals in the garden together. So we partner with God. When we walk along, he walks alongside us and he helps us remember, but it still takes intentionality. Deuteronomy 6 illustrates this. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, like a WWJD bracelet maybe. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. It takes intentionality. 1 Chronicles, as we sing to him, as we tell of all his wonderful acts, as we remember the wondrous works that he has done, it draws our hearts closer to his and it sets the trajectory of our faith and our obedience in the future. Let's stand. Lord, we repent of forgetting you. We repent of apathy, of indifference, of take it or leave it Christianity. I'm sorry, Lord. You can even say that out louder to yourself. I'm sorry, Lord. Lord, we repent of apathy. I'm sorry for forgetting. But Lord, we ask right now, fill us with your Holy Spirit. We need your Spirit. We need you. Just like in Acts 2, just like in Pentecost, God, come down. Fill this room with your presence. Fill this room with your presence. We need you, Jesus. Just whisper that to the Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I personally feel so over halfway Christianity. One foot in, one foot out. Apathy is tragedy. I, I, I repent of apathy. 
My word for the word for the year, radical surrender. Expend, I want to expend myself for him. I want to give him everything. When we lose our life, we will find it. When we give him our tithe, our time, our talent, our resources, it cha- he changes everything. I'm over pursuing the things of this world. I don't want, I, 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 I do not care about career, ambition, a house, a bigger house, a better house, a better car, a better, I don't care. Lord, help me continue in that. I, I want to remember the feeling I have right now this week. I do not care about those things. And Lord, I want, to, I want that to be sustained. I know that it's only by your strength, it's only by your power that this emotional feeling, this emotional sense of love for you that I feel right now is only going to be sustained by you. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit. Your Holy Spirit makes us radical. Your Holy Spirit makes us do crazy things like pray for strangers on a walk. It makes us do crazy things like give away our money to those in need, to tithe 10%, to show up early for prayer team even though you didn't get enough sleep. The Holy Spirit changes everything. We need you. Say it one more time. Lord, we need you. You've been listening to the Aloha Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about living free in Jesus, please reach out to us. We hope God spoke something wonderful and life-giving to you today. Until next time, lots of love and aloha.